Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ from verse 1 of our chapter, of our passage, we learn that the Lord Jesus had been praying. Now, Luke is not telling us this because it was something very special if the Lord Jesus prayed. As a matter of fact, in the previous chapters of the Gospel of Luke, Luke has been telling us already five times that the Lord Jesus was praying. The thing is that often the Lord would be by himself. He went upon a mountain to pray. He went off by himself to pray. But this time the disciples had been with him. And hearing and seeing the Lord Jesus pray must have left with them in their hearts the desire that they would be able to pray like that too. Maybe you have that too sometimes, that you hear someone praying in such a beautiful, intimate and moving way that in your heart you wish that you could pray like that. And maybe it was something like this that triggered that request of the disciples in verse 1 when they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And the Lord Jesus, like he had been waiting for it, follows up on it immediately. From our passage we can learn that then that the Lord did not only teach his disciples what to pray for when he taught them the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer, but even more what their attitude and, and their manner towards God should be in their prayers. And I'm sure that the Lord Jesus was not only teaching his disciples there and then. It is in the Bible. So he also said those things so that we should be taught by it. And it is upon the attitude, the manner of our prayer that I like to focus this afternoon in the sermon. And we look at this passage under the theme, Jesus teaches his people to pray. And then he teaches us first to pray as children, then to ask unashamedly, and then thirdly, to ask continuously, and then lastly, to ask trustfully. So, first then, that the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray as children. In verse 2 we read that the Lord Jesus says, When you pray, say, Father... And that's the first thing we need to pay attention to. You see, it must have been right away so different from the way that John the Baptist taught his disciples, reading the passages in, in, the, in the different Gospels about John the Baptist. We see that John almost always uses the name God. But the Lord Jesus tells his disciples, his people... When you pray, say, Father. And that means then that our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to approach God with the same attitude that children have towards their father. The Lord Jesus wants us to know, first of all, that God loves us as a father loves his children. 
As a matter of fact, for Jesus' sake, God the Father has adopted us as his children. Not just to make sure, what I just said doesn't count for people who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What I just said only counts for people who from the heart confess that they belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to the Lord Jesus Christ. For people who do not believe or belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, God is not a father. But he remains a holy, righteous, and just God whom they are continuously offending. But to all his people, he says, when you pray, say, Father. Now, why does the Lord say, no, actually commands this to his people? Well, let's just listen for a moment to the answer that the Heidelberg Catechism gives to this question. It says, the Lord wants us to say, Father, in order to awaken in us from the very beginning of our prayers that childlike, childlike reverence and trust towards God, which should be basic of our prayers. Probably don't think about that if you pray the Lord's Prayer and, and you say, Father, without the Lord Jesus is teaching us that the basic thing in our prayer is that we go to him as children. Go to the Father. The Lord Jesus does not want his people to approach God with fear and trembling. And it is true, yes, God is the almighty and righteous judge of all the earth and his wrath over sin is just beyond terrible. That's all true, but not for you if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you, be, if you love him. From you, Christ washed your sin away with his blood. As we just saw so nicely pictured in the baptism of Siena. And now, God is your Father in heaven. Now, brothers and sisters, boys and girls also, listen. What kind of a father is God to you? Now, he is, of course, the, the perfect father. He is, honestly, the only father in heaven and on earth who is perfect. And that means that he is a providing father who says to you, in Psalm 81, I am the Lord your God, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. He is also the all-knowing father who even before you ask already knows what you need. Who before you cry out to him already knows what you worry about, what you're afraid of, what bothers you. He's also the saving father who gave his only begotten sons for your salvation 
so that you can be his child. He's also the protecting father who says to you in his word, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor the flame shall consume you. And then as an encouragement to you, and also to a warning to the rest of the world, he says, for he who touches you, touches the apple of my eye. He's also the forgiving father who always forgives you all your sins for Jesus' sake and has promised to never remember them again. He is a generous father who is pleased to even give you the kingdom, he says. He is, he is a caring father. He feeds all the birds of the air and then he tells you that you are so much more dear and valuable to him than the birds of the air. So you do not need to worry, you do not need to be anxious about anything. He is the loving father who will always be good to you. Yes, it's true. He, he will discipline you if you wonder, but never more than you're able to bear. And he is always willing to take you back into, your, into his arms and he look forward to receive you forever in his mansions of glory. Lastly, he is the almighty father who holds you in his fatherly hand and no one is able to snatch you out of that. Now listen, this almighty, all-knowing, infinitely loving, always caring, ever merciful, and boundless, gracious God, the Lord Jesus wants you to call my Father. So that you may come to him as a child, with childlike reverence and trust, as a little child to his Father. That you may know that he always hears you. He knows exactly what you need and gives it to you. Gives you many blessings beyond. And that he will never give you anything that's not good for you. Now would it not be a shame if you would pray to him is in your heart a doubt that he will hear you? Would it not be wrong to approach him with such suspicion and fear? You see, that's not how little children approach their father. That's what the Lord Jesus' command is. In our prayers, we draw near to him as little children... Go to their father. They don't second guess the father. They don't suspect him of playing deaf. We may go to him who is your father, who always hears the prayer of all of his children, 
who always gives them what's good for them. Our Father, He is a willing Father. He is also an able Father, for nothing is impossible for Him. So what a great and a glorious command has the Lord Jesus given us, brothers and sisters, when He commanded and said, when you pray, you, don't say, Father. Boys and girls, do you love the Lord Jesus? Yes? Then you may know for sure that God the Father always hears you. He's always close to you. He always everywhere watches over you. Don't you love to say to your prayer, Father, my Father, and tell him everything that's in your heart, knowing that he listens, knowing that he loves it to you, tell him everything. Let's go on. Because the Lord Jesus also teaches us that we may ask from our Heavenly Father unashamedly or boldly, you could say. And that is what we look at in a second point. So what do I mean when I say that uh, the Lord Jesus teaches us that we should ask unashamedly or boldly? Well, the Lord Jesus explains that in verse 5 through 8. Now the Lord Jesus takes an illustration from the everyday life of the people in Israel of the time. There is that man who unexpectedly receives a visit of a friend. That friend has made a long journey and he arrives of all times in the middle of the night and he's hungry. Now the rules of hospitality of the time demanded that this man just, without any questions, receives that friend in the middle of the night and, and, and care for all his needs. That's why there is a problem. Because this man had nothing in his house to feed his friend with. It is in the middle of the night. So, what now? Well, you know what? He uh, will quickly go to the house of another friend of him. And he knocks on the door. And when his friend answers, he explains what he needs. So, now watch what, in what form the Lord Jesus put this story. He forms the whole story into a rhetorical question. Now, a rhetorical question is the sort of question of which the answer is obvious. So the Lord Jesus says, which of you who has a friend? That's how the Lord Jesus begins. Which of you has a friend who because of the kids and the inconvenience of the hour would refuse to help you out if in the middle of the night you would ask him for three loaves of bread in order to feed a friend who has just arrived. Who of you would have a friend who would be that bad-mannered and unhelpful that he would say no? And then the obvious, the expected answer is, no one has such a friend. No one would, be, would like to be friends with Someone who is so unhelpful and rude. And then the Lord continues in verse 8. And he said that even if this friend would be that bad mannered. That he would just, that he still could not refuse to help. Because of his friend's impudence. It says in our text. And the Greek word that 
was used for this actually means shamelessness or boldness. So what the Lord Jesus says is that the unashamed confidence that this man has in his friend will still move his friend to give him what he needs. Now, brothers and sisters, if a bad-mannered friend would be like this, how much more would your heavenly Father be willing to give you what you ask of him? You don't need to doubt. You can have that same confidence that that man had when he went to his friend. For you, Father in heaven, there is no day or night and there is no inconvenient time. He never slumbers or sleeps. At any hour of the day, you may, you may go to him with whatever your needs may be. You may tell him about your dirty sins and how they bother you, no matter what time of the day it is. And every time he will forgive them and give you a clean sheet, you may unashamedly, boldly ask him for all your needs. And in the past, his people were in the wilderness and asked him for bread. He opened the gates of heaven and gave them manna. When they asked for water, he commanded the rocks to bring forth streams in the desert. And he hasn't changed. That is not the God of the Old Testament. That is your father now. Never come to your heavenly father at the wrong moment. You will never ask for something he cannot do. And he loves it when in this way, trusting in him like a child, you ask unashamedly, boldly for whatever your need may be. That is why the Lord said in Psalm 81, I am the Lord your God, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. He he commands you to come to him. You must, of course, not understand all this, that God is sort of like a, a genie in a bottle, that you just wish for it, and voila, there, there it is. Please know, God is your father, and he cares for you. And he will never give you anything just because you ask or you want it, he will give it to you because it is good for you. And if it is not good for you, he will not ever give it. Good parents don't give the children things before they are ready for it. And, and that's also with your heavenly father. Sometimes you have to wait for the things that you ask for. The fact that you do not always immediately get what you pray for doesn't mean that your father is not willing to give it to you or will never give it to you. And that's the reason that the Lord Jesus also teaches us, that is our third point, to ask continuously. In verse 9 and 10, we read that the Lord goes on with his teaching and he says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, 
And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, to the one who knocks it will be opened. And so, in that way, the Lord Jesus teaches you that when you pray to your heavenly Father, that you should ask and seek and knock. Your prayers should not be just words. No, the Lord wants you to be really involved in your prayers. You ask for your needs. You seek his face. And you seek his favor and the nearness in your life. You knock at the door of your father's heart with your sorrows and your griefs and your pains. And all this, he says, you have to do continuously. You see, but the three verbs that the Lord Jesus used, the ask, seek, and knock, the Lord uses a form that indicates a continuous and persistent asking, seeking, and knocking. Don't give up. Lord teaches you this afternoon that you should not consider the matter closed after your prayer. Just think about Zacharias and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents. They had asked the Lord for a son all their lives long. And when it was humanly impossible, the Lord gives them a son. Now what if Zacharias and Elizabeth had stopped asking after 10 years? Who knows, huh? And then dan in Daniel 10, we read that Daniel mourned and prayed for the future of his people for three weeks. And then at the end of three weeks, the Son of God comes to him and tells him, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come. Because of your words. Would the Lord have come to Daniel if he had stopped praying after the first day? So, brothers and sisters, it is still the same today. The Lord hears your prayers right away, but sometimes he tests your faith. For good reasons, wait with the fulfilling of your needs and desires. He wants you to trust him. Also, if you do not get an answer right away. Look at it this way. His silence is an answer. His silence is an answer that requires you patience and you trust nevertheless. If you don't, if it stays silent, that doesn't mean that God didn't hear you. But it's for you a sign to just relax. It's in his hands. In due time, he will give you everything you need. In due time, his time is exactly the right time. So that is why the Lord Jesus encourages you not to give up, but to continue in your prayers on the throne of grace. The Lord teaches, teaches you not to give up asking for the Holy Spirit and for all your other needs. The Lord Jesus teaches you that if you keep on seeking his face, 
you'll most certainly find it. You find it to turn towards you in love and in favor. And when you keep on knocking, you will find that the door of your father's heart is open. Ever. Almighty God is your father and he most certainly hears all the prayers of his children. You are his children and you may trust in him. And therefore the Lord Jesus teaches you also, that is our last point, to ask just trustfully. We'll look at that now in closing. The verses 11 and 12 we read that the Lord Jesus asked another question of the fathers among the followers. And he asked if there are any fathers among them who, if their son would ask him for a fish, would give them a serpent or a scorpion instead of an egg. A scorpion instead of an egg. Now the answer to this question is so obvious that the Lord can, can read it basically from the faces. Of course not. No father would just do such a cruel and heartless thing for his own children. And, and then, so the Lord goes right on. And then he says in verse 13, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you hear what the question is? How sure is it that a parent, a father, although fathers are sinful people, would give their kids something that's not good for them? Well, we say that still in our time, it's quite sure that fathers only give to the children what's good for them. And now the Lord's question is, how much more Sure is it that your heavenly father will give you what is absolutely your greatest need, the Holy Spirit, if you ask him. So how much more sure is it? Well, it is infinitely more sure. Like the Lord says in Isaiah 55, that he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. Just as much as the heavens are higher than the earth, so much more sure will your heavenly Father give you his greatest gift, the Holy Spirit, if you ask him. Now, therefore, you may go to your heavenly father and ask him as his child, just unashamedly, continuously, and trustingly, also for the lesser gifts. If it is so sure, infinitely more sure than normal fathers give good gifts to the children, that God will give you the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift, will he then not give you the smaller ones too? So, brothers and sisters, young people, in your prayers lay all your needs, all your troubles, your very lives before him. Put it in his fatherly hands. He knows best. 
He who will give you even his Holy Spirit, shall he not forgive you your sins? Shall he not give you daily bread? Shall he not deliver you from the evil one? You just have to ask. You need not doubt that he will provide you with all things necessary for body and soul. You need not doubt that whatever adversity he might send upon you in this troubled life, he will t- turn to your good. Now why do you, don't you need to doubt? Because he is your faithful father. And he is God Almighty, able to do far more abundantly than all you're able to ask or take. And it is true, we are still sinful people, and we fail our Heavenly Father in many ways. Our Father is holy and good, and we are not. But thanks to God, our Lord and Savior bought us with His precious blood. And God the Father adopted us therefore as His very own children. What an awesome love! What a wonderful faithfulness. And what an amazing grace. And what was, shall we then say in response to this? Well, we say, if God is so for us, who can then be against us? If he did not, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all thanks? Amen.